This is Out of the Box, where two TV producers and a medium discuss creativity, spirituality, and how the story we tell ourselves can stop us from reaching our full potential. And you could say I began to write my story at 22, but that's erroneous. I, I really did it too. And I was conscious at two that I was different. I was conscious that I had my own thing to do and fitting in or being accepted was not important to me. We start the season by meeting Ian Rogers and hearing his story. Ian is an internationally renowned deep trance medium and spiritual teacher. He held senior management positions for 20 years, including heading up the Australian arm of the World Economic Forum, which promotes debate amongst Australia's top leaders on global matters affecting Australia. A former senior police detective, Ian began developing his spiritual abilities in the 70s. Now he consults individuals and organisations around the world and is known for his integrity and accuracy. Together with his wife, Pearl, an ex-Scotland Yard detective, they've taught mediumship for over 20 years and bring forward deep spiritual knowledge and how people can best function in order to bring out the best in themselves and others. As way of introduction, we were hoping you could tell us when you started to write your own story. Hmm. Start with the small questions first, Carla. (laughs) (laughs) It all started spiritually for me at 22 when um, in a job I had a person walked in and said, I need some help. And then I provided the help and he said to me, you don't fit in this organisation. The organisation as it transpired was in the police force. Um, and, And I said, no, I'm pretty sure I don't. And he introduced me to the thoughts of books and, and, and reading about spirituality which I began. And that led to a search. So on one hand, you could say I began to write my story at 22, but that's erroneous. I I really did it too. And I was conscious at two that I was different. I was conscious that I had my own thing to do and fitting in or being accepted was not important to me. I'm still blown away by the age of two. Oh, it was very clear. I mean, I don't even think I was walking then, let alone having, starting to write my own story. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, totally. From two, I remember watching the lino in our um, very modest house and it telling me stories and moving and painting me pictures and I'd come out much wiser about what was going on around me and I shared it with my family and they thought I was nuts. Um, So I decided to keep it to myself from there. And that was the start of me recognising that I was different, more individual, and I had no need to fit in. And I, that wasn't important to me, being part of the family, and probably affected my relationship with my parents and siblings, but nonetheless, it wasn't important. Um, How did your parents react to having such an independent, free-thinking child? I was... My parents would tell me, uh, told me many, many times that I was an angry child, but I never saw that. I was intolerant and impatient when things weren't moving at the pace that I wanted to get to where I needed to, but I didn't know where that was, of course. So at 22, I began my exploration of spirituality, and, it, and it's continued. It's, uh, it's consumed my life pretty much since then. I had a, uh, a marriage that broke apart when I was um, 31, and 
the thing that finally decided, apart from the marriage, was broken anyway, but that decided that I had to move on was that if I stayed, I couldn't pursue my spirituality any further because my um, then wife was in such a different place as a person and energetically. That bought me lots of gifts. It was what was meant. Um, and that gave me the custody of, uh, of my two children at that time and allowed, um, allowed a new part and the most important part or the most important turning point. And then the most significant turning point after that was um, meeting Pearl, my now wife, and we've um, pursued actively and rigorously our spiritual journey together. Not to take us off track, but can you just explain when you said it was meant, what do you mean by that? We would say, and the spiritual belief is that there's a predetermination to your life and the free choice comes into whether or not you follow the signs and the signals and the opportunities that come along. We have, without any debate. And we've been aware enough to recognise that at every time a turning point comes in your life, there's there's an opportunity to not take it. So something presents as if it's a better opportunity. Rarely is what's right the most appealing at the time. Um, So we've always been able to see through that. And we've had a set of values. They've been refined and the knowledge we have over time has been um, refined. And it's led us to live live strictly to to our values. Totally. And and interesting because you you talked about the age of two to the age of 22. Mm. And then from 22 to 31. Correct. So it'd be interesting to sort of, obviously from 31 onwards mm-hmm. with Pearl and, and sort of on purpose, on value, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people wouldn't have got there yet. Mm-hmm. And so it'd be, I'd be curious to know that, that sort of time between 22 and 31, what that felt like and if you were conscious that it wasn't on purpose or on value, was it? Was there a struggle or was it just something you were going through and it wasn't until it was pointed out or, or you hit that crossroads moment? Yeah. At 22, I was working in country radio and loving it. It was a great time. But I had some inner drive that I had to join the police force and I didn't understand why other than I had a desire to protect people because I didn't like the fact that ordinary people be affected adversely by not ordinary people as they walk down the street. And I didn't think that was fair. So I had this inner push to get out of radio and to, and that's something that I, in terms of a job choice, is something I regretted over and over. But nonetheless, um, I joined the police force and from the second day I joined, I said, this is a mistake. Um, and unfortunately, I sold my residence in Shepparton and moved down and Things were happening, so I couldn't make any any change back. I'd stayed in the police force for 10 years and had all sorts of experiences, which were very interesting and um, you, know, you could say were, were operated at a reasonably high level within the police force f- at, for the level of experience that I had. Um, but I, I had to leave and I left and uh, started to work in um, organizations. My first was with Telstra and that was at 31. Uh, it was called Telecom then. And I was uh, a chief investigator there for uh, all sorts of um, minor and major incidents within Telecom. 
either by staff or by the public upon telecom. And the only reason I was there, as history would show, is that that's where I met Pearl. And so with hindsight, the only reason I ever joined the police, well, there were two reasons, really. Uh, The predominant one was to meet Pearl. The secondary one was it gives you a real insight into dealing with people. And if you're a certain type of policeman, you learn to confront all sorts of situations and not back off, and it gives you a lot of strength to keep going under duress. The role of a policeman then, and I would suspect now, is not an easy one, depending upon the style of policeman that you are. So it gave me a a broad range of dealing with people, a broad range and skills to question, to to see into and so forth. But I was, um, all through that time, I was um, consciously developing and and actually developing um, my spiritual knowledge and ability. So um, it's not something I talked about to anyone in the police force. It's not something you would. Uh, So to answer your question, Paul, it felt... It felt a hiatus, it felt preparatory, always knowing that this was not it. And frustrating. For me, life's had a lot of frustrations because I'm impatient periods of time when I know things have to change and are going to change, waiting for the actual change. Test my patience. Mm. Mm. <laughs> As creatives, and we work with a lot of um, people in the creative industry, and knowing that you often you need to make action without knowing what the outcome is, but people struggle with that. Is that something that was just in you, knowing that you you were in motion? Yeah, now we're moving more and more into the spiritual understanding of life. If we go back to a comment you might, I'll come back to that, Carla. Um, um, the Paul you made about the ages of you know twenty one and, and and Carla and thirty one and thirty two etc. And that's relatively young. It's to do with evolution, and it's to do an evolution in a spiritual sense says that one of the three major things that we hold as true are that there's a thing called reincarnation. We've lived before, um, we learned or didn't learn, and we'll live again. And we move or oscillate between predominantly between Earth and the spiritual world, and we're learning at all times. So the spirit continues, the body changes over time. Hopefully, next time I'll have a hot one. Hey, <laughs> well, speak for yourself. <laughs> It's in the eyes of the beholder. <laughs> so for us, it wasn't early or late. It what was what was meant. And one of the other spiritual truisms is that whatever is pre-planned, you can cope with. You're meant to be ready for. Which, if you're not, well, you're just in avoidance. And avoidance is not something that we do um, and never have. It's just it's not known to us to avoid. It's only known to do without knowing the outcome. So you're not meant to know the outcome. You're just meant to know. And spiritually, every step shows the next step. You are meant to take that step and see what unfolds and recognize the next step. And that's how we've lived our life. So we've not been, I've not been, I couldn't say to you that at this age, I knew that this is where I would be today doing these things. Not at all. Spirituality doesn't make life any easier. Um, It just makes you more accountable, more aware and more determined if you do it properly. It's fascinating that because what what I hear in that is there's a comfort in knowing that you're preparing for something that you don't know about 
and and leaning into the comfort of knowing that it doesn't matter you don't know what it's going to be but just be comfortable on the journey and take be conscious of every opportunity or every interaction that you have around you as opposed to often people are fearful of the unknown and therefore not preparing themselves to be ready when those opportunities come that's it's the definition yeah that's the definition of fearful Mm. Is, is that fear of the unknown. But the, the fear of the unknown is a, is a belief that it will be bad. Mm. We don't fear Santa Claus. We don't fear what he'll bring because we have a belief that it will be good. Mm. So it's the fear that it will be bad mm. in the unknown. What we say it might be, but we can handle it. And if we don't confront it, it won't go away. That's where avoidance is such a bad thing in life. It helps no one. It just slows your trajectory of growth down. See, we come to earth with a debt that's called karma. You know, it's a misconstrued term, but um, by and large, your debt comes from a previous incarnation, a previous life. And despite, you know, um, um, a common belief, karma doesn't repay itself in this life come back to bite us, so to speak, in another life. Or not, or not bite us. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no fear if you know what your karma is and why you're doing it. Therefore, that if, you, if, if you're given that information accurately, that's going to tell you the patterns of your life, why things are happening. And you can only change that once you confront and address. You can't achieve anything by avoiding it's a fool's paradise unfortunately most people seem to live in a fool's paradise because avoidance is uh, is rampant on earth why do you think people are addicted to avoidance it appears easier in the short term people are um, taught that everything is about immediacy right now and if something appears a harder journey and in the immediacy i can have an easier time uh, they'll take that option rather than think about what comes next. So there's not a long-term um, vision. I, my guide is an American Indian or was an American Indian. His name was Crazy Horse and he talks a lot about far vision. You've got to have a far view and, and a short view is, uh, is never going to help you. It's also interesting with avoidance though. When you use that word, it can conjure up that you're avoiding, you know, um, as you said, not not knowing an outcome and possibly it being a bad outcome. But I think we also see people when they know what's going to happen and then they do nothing, thinking that it, that is just also going to be handed to them on a plate. And so that's another sort of form of avoidance. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and spiritually, a lot of people believe that I'll just let the universe provide or decide, well, I won't, um, self-help. So that's an avoidance. And there's probably a form of, um, I know we've discussed before that ego is also linked to fear. So is there a relationship between fear, ego and avoidance? Oh, not necessarily. Um, not necessarily. Avoidance, uh, it can, it can be. Uh, ego would come into it if we used it as a, as, as a vehicle to say, I'm too good to do that. I don't need to learn that because I already know that when indeed you don't. That's when ego would come into it. Or don't need to do the work. <laughs> That's ego. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's interesting because obviously Carla and I spend a lot of time with creative people mm. who can 
can, I mean, we often say that as producers, we're time travelers. Mm. Someone can come to us with an idea and we're already walking up the red carpet because we've already gone the whole journey. Um, and that often brings not a fear of failure, but a fear of success because you know what work needs to be done in order to get to that mm-hmm. moment of enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And there's a hell of a lot of work to be done between the dream room mm. and the reality room. Oh, and yes. uh, that's that's something that we see a lot. And we're, we're guilty of ourselves. Let's face it, none of us are perfect. It's as it's meant, Paul, you, you have to earn everything. Mm. There's nothing given. And if it is given, then you'll earn it later. If it appears easy now... It, it, there will come a time when you have to earn. It's an inevitability. The problem with creative is that there haven't been that many true creatives. So people will call themselves creative, but are they? How much is their creativity affected by their upbringing? How much are they not independent? How much are they contained by their hang-ups? So creativity is definitely... Um, meant to do things differently, but you can't do it until you become aware. You can't do it truly until you become aware of who you are, of what affects you, of what angle you're coming from, and you can dismiss all that. Proper and true creativity has to be pure, and there are very few pure people, so we have to be on earth. So we have to be able to dismiss all of our hang-ups, all of our background, and look at a topic properly and bring to it purity, which will bring it a loving perspective. And, and that's, a, you know, that's a quaint term, I know, but until we can do that, we're not going to get true creativity that will change the world. The true creatives come for a reason, for a purpose, and they're meant to change the world. Someone who's not a true creative but who wants to be and is taking it on but not fully is someone who just tries to use it to sell their own story. So someone has a bad background and they're angry, they'll put out an angry message and then they'll find another product or another method to put out an angry message and people follow that. And unfortunately, because Earth by and large is operating at a low um, state of evolution, the more angry or down the message, the more followers. So there's not much commercial scope for those who are meant to change the world, at least in their own lifetime. It generally comes afterwards as more and more people recognise, at least with hindsight, what's being given to the earth. Mm. I mean, that again comes back to that preparedness as well in, in, in some respects to, you know, be creative, to know self, know your narrative, know your values and and be in this moment of preparedness so when you move forward so this because we we often feel the need to keep moving i mean i say it myself i say you know let's be in motion and be seen you know let's keep moving forward because in business or in in the creative industry it's often the fear of missing out that creates the opportunity for you. So they, you've got to keep moving. That's that's sort of this sense, and sure. and that search is exhausting for a lot of people. So so just listening to what you're saying there, in, in the idea of sitting in this moment, being prepared, knowing that what's to come is sort of already decided. Mm. So prepare yourself now for what the well, future looks decided. like. Paul, but we can opt out. Yeah. We don't... And, and Consciously or unconsciously. Do, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You used a term there, um, move forward, 
It's the forward that I ponder, mm. not the move. And then later on you change that to move around. Mm. And it's if you're moving forward, you'll be on track so long as you understand what forward is. Mm. And so what we're doing is better than what was before, not a repeat of or not just a, you know, a contortion or a twist on what we've already done. So we're meant to learn and we're meant to explore. And not everyone's able or meant to be highly evolved. You know, the world has a need for things at all levels. So long as people's work is changing and they are actually moving forward, that's a good thing. And I say to you, as um, a teacher of creatives, that it's incumbent upon you to examine why someone has given you that piece of work no matter what the topic or what it's about and what led them to that what influenced them and why and is that still important to hold on to and where's next Mm -hmm. so it's that self-exploration and they shouldn't actually know what next is it needs ponderous time now that might be meditative it might be just sitting quietly it might be walking on the beach but that's what it requires Mm -hmm. well we speak about working beyond the page for that exact reason possibly not as deep and profound as that <laughs> but but also knowing that so many people which is where this first question came from how did you start writing your own story because so many people come with a narrative or a script that is either society's story or the story that they've told themselves but you know deep down there's a spirit or something else in them they're true as you said pure the the purity of who they are and I know I'm personally still on the journey of working out what that pure true self is and putting an expression to that and giving it a voice in some respects so I mean it's it's a tough gig but I think as you said once you start on the path you you can't go back but it's um I sometimes find it difficult to work out what's the real, what's the script that's playing over in your head and when to listen and when you are actually in the truth of who you are. Hmm. Everything comes down to feel and you'll feel it or not at the time. Um, What you said, Carla, was interesting. If we go right back to your first question, I would argue after this level of discussion that I have never written my own story. I've just written, I've just concurred with the story that was written for me (laughs) and that I agreed to before we came here. It's just that Pearl and I are are, are very compliant to our journey and therefore to what spirit wants. But that's not your mum and dad writing that. Oh, gosh, no. No. (laughs) They they wrote a different story, Mm. one that I was never interested in. And that put me at odds with my siblings. There's no question about that. But that wasn't and still isn't an important issue to me. Then you talked about you and you know, fi- still finding what you need to, I would say to you that you know what you're meant to do. It's finding the courage to not be who you were because that's comfortable. Therefore, we're back to what Paul was talking about, the unknown, and how can you face a future being the real you that will cause people to come and go in a different way but it will put more responsibility upon you to lead and to teach others. And that's, that's onerous and, and it can be lonely. So if we need people for no good reason other than we think we need people, that's not, that's not part of being a leader.
loved what you said about moving forward as opposed to moving around as well. I think, you know, there's this there's this constant need to be in motion and move forward, but this idea of moving around, because in that moving around, there's a lot of questions you need to ask yourself. And because you're moving around, you can't run away from the solution or the answer. Um, and, I mean, that's the thing with... The reason Carla and I are working together as a as a partnership in 720 is this idea of moving around ideas from all directions. And often people come to us and they're like, we've got this idea, can you connect us with the network or how do we get funding? We're like, let's just stop. Let's work around this idea. Um, because the, the need to move forward often creates overwhelm. Mm. Um, where and the, the idea is not being interrogated, and so you you move forward, but you move forward, but you, you, at some point you've got to stop and go around it, right? Because otherwise, there's no substance to it. It's that knowing the values, knowing the purpose. And I know for myself, when I've been at the darkest points in my life, it's been searching for purpose as though it's a treasure or you know a trophy, as opposed to taking that time to give myself time to go around myself to yeah, some extent. That's, that's good. The issue, there are a few issues there. One of which, if we start at the end, is that in searching for purpose, we, we mostly won't find it. Mm. What we will find is that when what we're doing is not it. <laughs> Tell <laughs> yeah. me about it. So <laughs> let's do something else and see if that gets us closer. Yeah. Because the whole game of life... It's a fool's goal, yeah, almost. Yeah. The whole game of life is preparatory. Mm. Everything we do prepares us for something harder. That's, that's, you know, everything's about we get through a triangle or a pyramid of life and that gets us ready for the next pyramid and up we go. So we're forever going through these trials and tribulations and tests as we learn more and get more and, and, and get better. I would say part of your function and part of all creatives' function is to leave messages where thinking people think mm. and thinking's meant to inspire an action mm. and would that also be for thinking people to feel i mean oh you can't think unless you felt mm. well you can but your thinking will just go in circles because you don't have a basis you're just relying upon what's in your mind you're not relying upon a compass a moral compass at all that will come from your feelings we're entitled to be excited, to be outraged, to be all of those things, and that should cause us to think. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So if that libretto of your life is already predetermined, mm. it's already written for mm. you, um, if you choose not mm. to be aware of it or mm. not to read it or not to see it, sure. not so much even to act on it, but just not because you're not evolved, like there's a, it's out of sync mm. with who you are in your preparedness mm. to, to what's already written for you. Yeah. Does, this is just me being a little bit ignorant, but it's, I'm curious, does that sort of then get lifted and moved to the next life so that you can get through this one and it keeps moving until you're ready for it? Or if you miss it, is it gone and someone else will come along and take it? Really important that we get rid of the word ignorant um, and we change it to, I'm currently not mentally aware of it because it's not ignorance in any respect. Mm. Because who has all of the knowledge? I can assure you I don't. Mm. It, it comes in layers. If you choose to ignore what you came here for, you'll do it again. You'll do it again. 
un- unfortunately it will bring with it a debt of having avoided as well. So it's a bit of a double whammy. So for, for you and knowing where the world is at the moment, what change would you like to see? In the world? Mm. Oh, harmony. Another small question yeah. from Carla. <laughs> harmony. The entire greater universe relies upon harmony and energy from everything helping everything and energy on earth should helping all on earth. So when, when you meet your libretto of life mm. and you're in harmony mm. and walking along together mm. and it's time for the physical to leave, mm. the story continues on or is that the end of a chapter and then no, how does if, that if, if, if you've journey learned, continue? Sure, Just out of curiosity. Sure. If you've learned your lessons and, and you've come here, you come here for two basic reasons, to, to repay a debt and to grow and they're separate and to repay your debt is finite to grow is infinite you can grow as much or as little as you want if you don't grow at all that incurs no further debt but it will impact upon your next life because you haven't taken an opportunity to be of a higher evolution which impacts upon what you learn in the spiritual world before you come back to earth and the bigger the role, the more accountability. That doesn't mean I'm now a CEO. It, it means in terms of how we live and how we're expected to live and to help others. And, and mostly that will come from influence. Influence, is, as we all know, is much more important than pure power. It's harder to, to abuse, not impossible. Um, but if we don't l- repay our debt and we, don't, and we avoid our karma, we're, we're going to do it again. But if we've met our karma then we're free to do something better and have a, um, a higher energy life, something that's more fulfilling or more rewarding. So we get more and more out of this low energy of Earth, the higher we get. And do you, do you feel that the world has evolved? No. Not in any way? No. So do you no. still...? We're miles, we're nowhere near where we were in ancient Egypt. Oh, wow. Nowhere okay. near. It was, it was eons ahead of us. So they, it with, Oh, yeah. With all of the science, they're still trying to work out how the pyramids were made. Hmm. Missing that there was external influences from Earth, not taking that into account. And, and, and see, this is a lack of creativity. Hmm. This is where science restricts itself. Using all of the tools that are available to, to us today, how can we recreate that pyramid and how that was built, how can we do that? Well, we can't mm. until they're creative. Mm. And they thought there's bigger powers. See, see, to me, this takes me to somewhere else. The great creatives in history have been the philosophers, mm. the true philosophers, of which there haven't been that many. Um, and and um, Aristotle, and I certainly put Leonardo amongst the great philosophers. And they all were able to get a lot of their knowledge away from Earth. So they weren't reliant upon what they were taught. They were reliant upon forces external to Earth. So what they could glean and gain from that greater universe and pass that knowledge on. And they, therefore they saw things differently. Back to what you said, a creative is meant to see things differently. I couldn't agree more unless it's just another way of looking at it from an earthly perspective. Yeah. Mm. I feel like we have to officially accept a mission a mission to be a part of the change and a mission to 
give voice to true selves and to help people unlock. But that's your journey. You're meant to do that. You know that. And it's not a case of knowing because what, what we're saying today, a lot of people won't get because they're not at that state of evolution to get. They don't have to intellectually grasp it. I just want them to feel. Does this feel good? Does this feel right? Mm. Does this feel okay? And if not, go away. You're not ready for it. Mm. Well, it's interesting because I'm, what I'm feeling is a massive weight that's just lifted off my shoulders because I think I've always had taken on the responsibility for so many people mm. and held that mm. and just listening to, you know, the people you've talked about and the references, you know, like when you think about someone like Leonardo da Vinci, I'm sure he wasn't working. He meant Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> I like that guy too. <laughs> but I don't think he was working to a KPI or a... <laughs> you know, um, some guidelines Correct. or he was he Correct. was sitting in the moment. Correct. Going around the idea, Correct. preparing for the opportunity. Yeah. Um, and so that in its way, again, coming back, that's quite comforting to me because yeah. the treadmill of being the person to move and create momentum mm. is exhausting mm. and actually <clears throat> doesn't achieve a great deal. Mm. So the idea of sitting and being prepared that doesn't give you permission to not do the work. It mm. actually means you've got to do more work. Mm. By exactly. doing less, by, by spending less energy, yeah. you're actually doing more work. See, Leonardo is a great uh, example of all of that. He, uh, he was forced to do most of his work for the, the rulers, the, the ruling class, the kings. And he was employed predominantly for his ability to create weapons of war. Um, pretty much of mass destruction in the day, <laughs> as well as everything else. But that's how he earned money. He didn't earn money for all of the good things he did. So what Leonardo did was to work as hard as he could to do that, knowing that as soon as the war was over and won, he had a limited time. And he had that refined very well. And um, his, um, his sexual persuasion as well meant that he had society eventually turned against him. So he used that time to earn money for himself and his troop of, um, of workers. But at the same time, he was doing what he came to do. So that's the work harder. And that's so he creatively earned money that he didn't like doing for a greater good. And he didn't know how that would ever work out. And he was living hand to mouth. And he didn't know how he would ever get to write his, his story, you know, to write all of his work. And he was wandering around um, at a loss and, and without funds. And he was invited by the new king of France to go to France and live there. And he was there for three years before he died. And that was the happiest time of his life because he had a permanency and he could use that time to record everything from all of his works to leave for posterity. And the impost upon his time to the kingdom of France was, was modest as a consequence. And he was given an income that was more than enough to, to look after everyone. So there's Leonardo da Vinci, you know, the greatest mind that's been on earth and, and one of the great entities who didn't know what was coming but who kept the faith that said, 
I don't like building these weapons, but I have to, and they can be used for better purposes later after the, you know, the, the war's over, but I have to keep going, doing what I'm doing. And that, that, that relates in a small way to so many of us, whether it be spiritually. The, the journey of being you know, permanently involved in spiritual work doesn't fall upon everyone at an early age. It's a battle. We have to mix it in with other things. The, the, the journey of being a creative um, it doesn't happen. Someone might be a clerk in the government somewhere, but there is a true creative, and they're not going to be in there, and it's a long, hard slog to, to marry the two without knowing. And that they're the people who we need to encourage, and we need to rely upon the story of, of Leonardo and those like him and not, not see it as a distant thing of some heroic figure who could do anything. You know, he was, a, he was someone who was very vulnerable and hurt very easily and was torn and conflicted but but what he did was doing of doing more all of the time and never relaxing is what got him through i would say from the small amount of time that i've been in your company that you live life consciously um and uh you're aware of what's going on around you and when we started the conversation, we talked about this two-year-old. Um, two-year-old's probably too young, you know, maybe. But, you know, you now having a conversation with the boy back then, what would be the words of wisdom that you would give them that would help them on their journey? It's relevant to say that that two-year-old is now 67. Mm-hmm. So it's been, a, it's been a long journey. What I would say is what was said to me many times in different um, corporate or quasi-corporate roles that I never understood. What makes you stand out is your honesty. And I never got that. I would say, how am I honest? I just say what is, what I believe and what I know. But I always did it without a fear. And that's no different to Pearl. Um, everything is done without a fear and with with a great degree of honesty. And it's something I've learned more and more over time. So I would say to a person at any age of discovery, in my case too, that might be 42, learn to be more honest. That's the single biggest... There are two things that can change your life. Judge people a little less and be more honest. Honesty is an emotional honesty... It's an honesty about who you are and what you believe in at that point in time and being true to that and learning from it because you're not going to make friends all of the time. You're not going to have everyone agree with you at any point in time. But if you're honest to what you feel and believe and you're prepared to learn and step forward, life will be fulfilling. And, you know, it's said and taught that we deserve to be happy you know, happiness comes and goes. I, I, I believe that fulfilment can be much more permanent and important than happiness. I love that. Ian Rogers, thank you so much for sharing your story. And I feel that it will be helping lift other people's stories off the page. So thank you. Thank you. Out of the Box is produced by Studio 720. Imagine your world differently.